Hello and welcome to For the Wins bonus podcast episode of the Gridiron Geeks, our weekly look at the NFL. Uh, I am Charles Curtis, joined as always by the great, the guy who watches so much the NFL that uh, he sees it in his dreams, Stephen Ruiz. How are you, Stephen Ruiz? I'm good. I, I'm trying to decide whether yesterday was a good slate of games or it was just close. Like, it was, was it bad football that was just close games or was it good football and cl- good close games it was wacky it's weird we we before we got on this call and we'll get this much later we were just talking about like what to do with all these teams because you look at all these teams and they're all vulnerable like good teams are vulnerable and the bad teams are not that bad so it's it's kind of a weird week six that we're going to review yeah so i wrote a post this morning like these seven teams are going to win one of these seven teams are going to win the super bowl and i thought i should include all the teams with winning records and kind of explain why i left them off the list and the list ended up being like over half the league (laughs) that is very telling uh and it's going to be very interesting for us to break some of this stuff down uh so let's get right into it we will start with our our first segment which which is called four downs uh in which we just pick four topics and talk about them so let's start with the big news about sunday what uh would you make of the packers moving ahead now that aaron Rodgers is down with uh what's uh being called a collarbone injury from a fantasy perspective i'm i think i'm staying away from the receivers or i'm trying to offload them if i can for some value i'm I still think the running game is going to produce some fantasy goodness, depending on you know if Ty Montgomery is healthy going forward. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I probably will invest in the running backs and try to sell off the uh, receivers. That's scary, isn't it? I mean, like that's how how big this injury is from a fantasy perspective. I actually wrote this morning about the, the quarterbacks to replace Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, there are a few good names, but really, as a Jordy Nelson owner in a few weeks, I am bummed because mm-hmm. th- those downfield passes are where he makes his money. And who throws a better deep ball than Aaron Rodgers? Nobody. And so that's huge trouble for Jordy. And I just saw a quote this morning float around from uh, from McCarthy saying that they were going to adjust the offense to Brett Hundley. Um, and I'm, that just spells disaster as a fantasy owner um, that, that they're going to have to – you know, maybe, I don't know, shorten up what Jordy's doing. Um, you know, if you're a Randall Cobb owner, you might feel kind of decent because maybe, you know, there's a lot of short passes. Um, I don't know Brett Hundley that well. That's where I, w- I would love to ask you about that. Um, the one guy that I'm actually okay with on, on offense with, with what the, they do is Devontae Adams because I still think he catches some touchdowns. He's a red zone guy, I, and he's not necessarily depending on these long downfield throws. So what's your take on Brett Hundley? Like, is he the, the, you know, the future, even though he's a fifth rounder a few years back? So I, I think he has some tools that you can definitely build around. I don't know if he's ready to, if the Packers are going to be able to build around him now, but I think they can get a relatively successful offense out of him. If they like take advantage of his legs, run him on some read option plays, give him run pass options, kind of like what the Eagles have done with, Wentz early on I think he can operate in a similar scheme as long as you simplify the reads and take advantage of his athleticism will that be good for his receivers from a fantasy perspective no probably not because I don't think you're going to see those downfield shots anymore and you're probably going to see more passes to the tight ends and the running backs but I think his presence boosts the running backs I think I, only if they run him on the, the zone reads, but I don't know. They might be scared off to do that now that he's, well, I mean, what do they have behind him? 
they can't really afford to lose him, but you're not going to be successful without running him. So if they, if they do run him, then that gives the defense another person to worry about in the box. They, they have to commit an extra person, and that will open up holes in the running game, I feel like. It's an interesting take because I'm looking at their running game, and you got Aaron Jones stepping in uh, for, for Ty Montgomery and, and had a huge week, and then this week he got 13 carries, and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I think Ty Montgomery is going to become sort of the, the pass catcher. Um, by nature, he was wide receiver converted into a running back last year. And I had doubts at the beginning of the year. You can read all my stuff saying, I don't know about Ty Montgomery. I was all about drafting Jamal Williams. That turned out to be a bust uh, option there. But the point was Ty Montgomery is not necessarily built to be in every down back. And so, yeah, I think they're splitting carries now. And, and that should be very interesting for fantasy owners to see if they can deal with it. I think Aaron Jones is the guy to own, though. I think he's, he's mm-hmm. your, your, your guy. Yeah. Um, Let's move on. We'll do. Um, we'll get to the Packers a little later, though. Again, um, teasing it for all of you, all of you listeners out there. Uh, number two, what do we make of the Chiefs uh, losing? They're now five and one. So this is what concerned me about Alex Smith, and I kind of voiced this concern last week. the The place where he made the most improvement over last year was with the deep ball. Not that he's necessarily throwing it more often, but he's connecting on those deep balls more often. And the problem with that is stats show that deep ball success is, it doesn't really strongly correlate to the next season. It's not very predictive. So you can't rely on that to keep happening going forward. And then we saw that on Sunday, he missed a lot of deep passes. He overthrew a lot of open receivers and that's, the one issue with Alex Smith is he going to be able to consistently give you that deep ball, which will open up things underneath, or is he going to continue to miss and teams will be able to sit on those shorter routes that they've been so successful with early on. That will be, that. that's an interesting take. I, I watched most of that game and, and actually I sat there watching it and I, I was trying to think of something that I could write about uh, today. Uh, we're taping this on a Monday. Um, and my, my thinking was actually like, how do you define what a bend don't break defense is? And that's what all I could think about with, with the Chiefs was before they ended up losing, because that's what they are, or were at least. And I, now I, I cast down on that because they got completely gashed by by Roethlisberger and and and, and Tony Brown. Although you know one of those throws was a little fluky, where you know it was a tip ball. Um, but Le'Veon Bell ran all day, and it just the week before on one of our our fantasy um, posts, I said, hey, here's a little secret: like the Chiefs passing. Defense defense you know isn't that great like they're not a a, a shutdown um through the air kind of team so uh, my doubt is is you have your doubts of the offense my doubts with the defense like it, does that look like a five and one team that, that plays that kind of defense going forward you got to see i don't know i don't know the answer to that i do think that they are still contender but um uh when you see a team like the steelers beat them you think it's another andy reed first round out potentially kind of team yeah, that's that's been my fear all season. Cause I think, I think when when the star of the team is the the scheme, which I think is the case with the offense, I think you're vulnerable to being figured out down the stretch. Whereas if where if you can just like line up and beat a team because you're more talented and you're just you can beat them straight up. There's you can't really like scheme around that. You can't adjust to that. But I think teams will eventually figure out how to take away some of the things that the Chiefs have been doing so well early in the season. And I think you started to see that yesterday. You're right. We'll see what happens with the Chiefs going forward. Number three, are the Broncos vulnerable 
after uh, that loss to the receiverless New York Giants on Sunday night? Or was that sort of a one-game thing and we can expect them to keep going uh, uh, as, as a, you know, one of the best defensive teams in the NFL and an offense that can scrape by? That game surprised me. I did not expect the Giants to be the one that dominated on the ground and <laughs> the Giants' defense to dominate on the other side of the ball. Yeah, but I, I think... I think it's somewhere in between. I'm not ready to write off the Broncos just because how good that defense can be and how hot it can get. I think if Von Miller gets hot for a month and the secondary plays like it always plays and Simeon gives them league average play and the running game is just successful, then I think they can beat anyone. I think they can play with any team in the league. But you're going to have these games like you saw on Sunday night where you the pass rush isn't as good as it usually is and the running game doesn't work. And then that puts too much pressure on Simeon, who's, I think he's better than we all expected him to be, but he's just not quite ready to be the guy in a, in one game. Yeah. That was sort of my takeaway about Simeon was like, he's good enough for that offense for now. Um, he's sort of a, a, you know, papering over a problem kind of quarterback. He's better than he was last year. Um, but it brings into question, like, if Simeon is facing a, a very, very good defense, and I, I say the Giants are better than very good. They were really good um, last night. But I think that's a huge problem. That is a huge, huge problem. If, if Simeon goes into the playoffs and suddenly is facing, um, uh, you know, some of the elite defenses uh, in the West, and I'm not mentioning the Patriots in that conversation, by the way, um, that, that, is, that could be the, the ultimate downfall. Um, it, they somehow won a Super Bowl with, with – uh, you know, Peyton Manning's arm hanging by a thread a few years ago. And so this is kind of an improvement to that. Um, but he, and I'm not comparing him to Peyton listeners, please don't, don't, don't at me as they say on Twitter. Um, we yeah, can compare him to 2015 Peyton. Let's, let's there be you honest. go. Thank you. Exactly. I would rather have strong armed Northwestern grad, uh, uh, Trevor Simeon. I, yeah, I think he's, he's the thing that I focus on the most. I think the defense does bounce back. I worry about the offense. Anybody who's a fantasy owner of C.J. Anderson, I, I think I said to sell off on him a couple of weeks ago, um, and I'm still on that train because uh, Jamal Charles got a bunch of carries. I, I'm not so sure that the, uh, the the backfield will be any less crowded anytime soon. Yeah, I think one of the reasons we might be you know, too quick to write off the Broncos is that we haven't really seen the Giants play like this all year, but we know they're capable of doing it. So maybe we shouldn't be too surprised. I mean, this is what they did last year. They shut down the run and force teams to be one-dimensional, and you know they feasted on mistakes. One thing I will say about Simeon is I don't think people realize how aggressive he is. He's like the anti-Alex Smith in a way where he'll throw into tight windows. Like People see him as like a kind of a game manager just because he was a, I think he was a seventh-round pick, and he is unheralded. So you just kind of assume like that's his game. But this guy will throw into tight windows, and if you're off throwing into tight windows, you have nights like he had last night where he's going to make mistakes. That's really interesting because I, I think that is a perception that, that he's the guy you want just, you know, tossing, dinking and dunking to Sanders and, and to Demarius Thomas. So, yeah, that's, that's an interesting storyline to follow because the guy has thrown a bunch of interceptions, which means, yeah, maybe he's been aggressive, uh, a little less accurate, but that might explain all the, all the mistakes. Let's go with our final, our final of our four downs. Um, remember we said we were get, getting back to the Packers, so a Packers-related question. Now, the Packers are out of the NFC, uh, or at least not yet, but let's assume that they are without Aaron Rodgers. 
Um, who is the second best team in the NFC uh, now that he's out? I'll, I'll let you start off with this one because I still have to make my decision. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Although I don't think they're the best team currently, I just think they'll end up being the best team within the next month or so. I'm, I think right now you have to say it's the Eagles. But I'm still a little wary of the Eagles. I know they they beat a good Carolina team, but two things about that. It was a Thursday night game. You can't really trust Thursday night results. And they got two turnovers in their own red zone and still had to hold on to win the game late. So I don't think it was as convincing a win as maybe the score makes it look when they were up by a couple touchdowns late in the fourth. So, yeah, I'm not ready to buy, go all in on the Eagles just yet. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks kind of by default because who else would you pick? I mean, maybe the Panthers, but they can't run the ball all of a sudden. So I got to leave them off the list. Okay, that's interesting because the funny thing about this question is is that I phrased it, and I forgot to mention this to you before the show, that when I said second best, I was assuming that the Seahawks are the best team in the NFC. So it's really funny. Um, uh, so then the Eagles, like, I guess. The Eagles, okay. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. That's just so funny because I was looking at like assuming in my head like, oh, yeah, we're all going to agree that the Seahawks are the, are the team to beat in the NFC. But, yeah, um, Seahawks first for me obviously are the team that are, you know, now the Packers are gone, or I think they dominate the NFC the rest of the way. I think the Panthers are the team to beat, uh, and the team that I think will end up in the, in the NFC Championship game. Um, you know, just thinking about what the Falcons are looking like, you know, man, losing a game to the Dolphins like that, you just don't want to see that from a football team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Cutler uh, getting a couple of touchdowns on him, you know, that's, that's uh, alarming, a little bit alarming. Um, I'm going to go with the Panthers only because I think they're balanced on both sides of the ball. And I think Cam Newton, some of those mistakes that we saw on Thursday, again, like you said, Thursday night's a rough one. Uh, and I think that the Panthers just Cam Newton adjusts and he's, he's getting back into kind of the swing of things after that injury. I think by the end of the season, they are, uh, you know, 11 win, 12 win team and that they're, they're getting by, you know, a team like the Vikings who might have some quarterback questions coming up um, and the Eagles, who I think play in a, a weaker division than other people think. And I say that with the Cowboys being there, mind you. Um, I think that uh, the Eagles not aren't going to necessarily be a one loss team by the end of the season. So I'm, I'm going with the Panthers, not that confidently because there are flaws all over the place, but you know, it's, it's the Seahawks and everybody else. The one thing that worries me with Carolina is Luke Keekley's concussion problems. Uh, he missed yeah. seven games over the last two years. I'm just, that defense isn't the same without him, and you kind of saw that on Thursday night. David Mayo, he did as good a job as you can expect, but he was just a liability in coverage, which is where Keekley really shines, where he separates himself from other linebackers. So I'm just it, – it depends on how long he's out for me. Yeah, that's sad too. He, yeah. He's had so many of those, and he's such an amazing player to watch sideline to sideline. Uh, so hopefully he, he's back soon. Uh, moving on to our next segment, which is one po- unpopular opinion that we have that we were going to share with you guys. And, and I'll start off with mine because I think it's kind of funny. Um, but I was looking at the standings today, and I've decided that my unpopular opinion of the week is that the AFC South is the most exciting division in football or is planning to be. And here's why. Um, you know, you've got, uh, first of all, like the AFC East, we already know that's decided. Um, AFC North, same thing. I, a bunch of weak teams there. The West is kind of interesting in the AFC, but but to me, 
Yeah, so you got the Jaguars, who are a three and three team. I don't know if they're that good because obviously we're going to see the Blake Portals uh, trying to hide Blake Portals experiment maybe blow up at some point. I we talked about this last week. I'm worried about Leonard Fournette. Um, the Houston Texans obviously are a thrilling team to watch now that Deshaun Watson is playing like he's playing. Uh, if the Titans get Mariota back this week or next week, that's a team that still could you know play some good football. And the Colts might get Andrew Luck back. So suddenly you've got four teams with so much intrigue around them. Uh, there's no clear-cut right now division uh, leader. I think the Houston Texans are probably the best team of that lot, by almost by far, but they're not there yet. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out. So I think that division to me is is the one to watch in football, and that is so weird given the fact that there are four teams in there that have major flaws. But as far as like division races go, that's that's got to be the best one, right? Yeah, I would uh, I would say the AFC West is probably might be their games might be better but yeah the Chiefs are going to run away with the division so the race isn't going to be all that interesting so yeah I would agree with that but I would also throw the NFC South in there with the the Saints surging all of a sudden the Panthers are I think they're a half game up in the division and then I think the Falcons are going to I don't know if they're going to get back to the Super Bowl but I think they're going to be a fringe playoff team and then the Bucks are still talented so if Jameis Winston returns and is a little more consistent and the defense plays a little better than it did yesterday then I think all four teams could win that division still that's true uh, that is a good point and the Saints that was that's one we haven't talked about I mean the Saints that win was was kind of definitive because the, the, all this talk about the Lions being contenders kind of got shut down pretty quickly and, and the Saints are still the Saints on offense. And, and you know, no more Adrian Peterson meant that, you know, Mark Ingram could run all day. Um, and suddenly the defense kind of looked a mm-hmm. little bit more awake than it's been. So I'm, it's, it's kind of an intriguing team uh, that may not make the playoffs, but you're right. They may not. They may end up, I don't know, 8-8 eight and eight if they keep playing like this. Yeah, I think I think 9-7 and is on the table right now. I think 8-8 eight and eight would just be more of the same of what they've been before. I think 9-7, and seven, maybe even 10-6. and six. Because this, I don't think this defense is a fluke. They have Cameron Jordan, who's who's been an underrated player for years, but he's having maybe his best season ever. And then the secondary is all of a sudden really good. So yeah. I'm not I'm not going to sleep on that team. Yeah, uh, the secondary is the thing that stood out to me, and it's 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 kind of shocking. You know, they got Vaccaro at safety. It's like you know they they can they can do some things. You're absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. What is your unpopular opinion of the week? My unpopular opinion is that the 49ers are having one of the most successful seasons in the league this year. And here's <laughs> here's why. They're 0-6, but it's the most competitive 0-6 in NFL history. I saw a stat yesterday where their score differential, I think it's minus 33, is the lowest of any 0-6 team ever. So this was kind of like the opposite of the take I had with the Jets last week where I, I didn't think the Jets were all that competitive and they uh I didn't think they looked much better than what I expected, but they were getting, you know, good bounces and they were ending up on the right side of these crazy results. So I thought their three and two start was a little fluky. I think the 49ers 0 and six start is a little fluky. I think they could have won one or two games by now, but they still have that they're still in the running for the top pick in the draft. And they're showing that they're a decent team when outside of the quarterback position. And they planned around that. They Shanahan said you don't have to be impatient when looking for a quarterback. You gotta let the right guy come to you. And that's what they did this last offseason. That's why they signed Brian Hoyer. That's why they waited until later in the draft to take Bethard. 
who I think will end up being a good backup. I don't think he's a starter in the league, but he'll be good for this year. They'll be able to tank, and they'll be able to see what they have in him, and I think they'll remain competitive all year. They also had the best draft. I was so excited about their draft this year with Salman Thomas and Reuben Foster, and then they ended up with, with Beathard and, and, and uh, George Kittle, who's actually been pretty good at tight end. Like That is a team that really did some smart things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think that they're poised to see what they can do a quarterback next year. And, and I always think that, that they should take, you know, a, one of the California guys in there. Those are the, you know, obviously the top two guys as of right now, although I don't watch as much college football or at all <laughs> as much as you do. I mean, those are the two quarterbacks, right? Sam Rosen. And uh, I just called him Sam Rosen. The Rangers. I do Rangers, that. Uh, I do that all the time. Yeah, exactly. Josh Rosen, right? Exactly. And Sam Darnold. Um, that is a really fun combination though. I should keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, one of the California guys that's, you know, makes great headlines and, and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they are a team to watch going forward and a team that can bounce back next year with a lot of, of firepower on defense and, and maybe a new quarterback on offense. Like that is exactly what you want to have set up. And it's really kind of a fun little sub storyline because I think everybody's concentrating on the Browns being the winless team and sort of, okay, what are they going to do with their, you know, uh, big long-term trust the process like plans? Yeah. And I think, the Browns' 0-6 start is a lot more depressing than what the 49ers have gotten off to. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Sorry, Cleveland. Yeah, no, I'll be writing. I, I write a weekly thing about you know how Browns, Browns fans should feel this week. And, and uh, yeah, last last week was all about you know trying to find some positive stuff with Kevin Hogan starting. And uh, it's, it's, it's really tough to, to uh, write as well as to watch. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, which we call Would You Rather, which is pose a question about would you rather so if you are a marvis martavis bryant fantasy owner would you rather him stay on the steelers or get traded uh given that there are reports that he has forced or wants to force a trade out of pittsburgh so i am a bryant owner so this is near and dear to my heart i i think (laughs) i i think i want him traded after watching how the steelers approach the chiefs game I thought they needed to do this. I thought they needed to minimize Roethlisberger's role in the offense. I think they need to hand the reins over to Le'Veon Bell and make it his offense, you know, build around him in the running game. Because he ran, what did he run it, like 15 times against the Jaguars? And Roethlisberger chucked it like 45 times and couldn't stop throwing interceptions. I think they need to realize they need to be a run-first team because that's the strength of this te- this offense right now is the offensive line and Le'Veon Bell. And obviously getting the ball to Antonio Brown, but you can do that without, you know, throwing it downfield 30 times a game. So I think they might start to do that. And then, then you have to start worrying about what's Bryant's role in the offense because his role has always been that deep threat. Yeah, I'm with you uh, all the way. If you're a Martavis Bryant guy, you want him out. Because it's something we talked about last week with Ben Roethlisberger. We said, is he done? And the answer was, well, he's yes, he's done being the elite quarterback, but no, he's not you know, completely finished. But he is finished throwing these balls downfield. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you're absolutely right about making a, a sort of a, a more simplified, not so downfield, not chucking it all the time kind of offense. Um, all I saw in that game against the Chiefs was um, – Antonio Brown running those those routes to the sideline that he always, you know, every mm-hmm. single time he gets a quarterback every single time running that sort of out and then out to the sidelines and there's the ball right there in the exact spot that it needs to be from Ben Roethlisberger. And that's the ball he can throw. 
so he's not throwing the downfield stuff to Martavis Bryant who can can break it open. So trade him to a team that could use it. I mean, midseason NFL trades are always, you know, uh, they rarely happen. But I could see him moving on and finding a team that that chucks the ball a little bit more downfield and get him away from Ben Roethlisberger. So, yeah, if you're a Martavis Bryant owner, get him out of Pittsburgh because it's not happening this season for him. I think he might be droppable in some leagues depending on – uh, what you have on the waiver wire this week. There haven't been too many receivers, but I'm all about like stacking up all these running backs on my bench because running backs keep getting injured. And they're, you know, mm-hmm. I've said this a million times they're, they're It's an awful year for running backs. So you might as well stock up on whoever's out there. Um, you know, uh, the, the Niners backup who Breda, who's, you know, got some, some burn a couple weeks ago. Like that's a guy I would rather have on my bench than Mark Davis Bryant. Um, I think it's a lost cause for him. Yeah, I think so too, unless he gets traded to a team that can take advantage of his skills. And I think you you don't see mid-season trades happen a whole lot because football is a complicated sport. You have to learn the playbook, and it's hard to do that in the middle of a season. But I think with him, his skill set is so, I don't want to say narrow because he can do more things than go deep, but it's easy to acc- uh, to bring a, a deep threat like that into the offense because you could just run him on deep routes all day open up the defense and or hit them if they if they don't account for him going deep so i think he can he could adapt to a team more readily than say like a guy like antonio brown he's more of a route runner and who like you said you want to get him the ball in certain spots right Right, so you want to give Martavis the, the playbook, you give him one sheet that says fly. That's it, yeah, that's exactly. what you every play. Um, let's move on to our final segment. We call it Start, Bench, Cut, a game of uh, uh, Mary, you know, and all that other stuff that you've played in college um, with three players that we hypothetically must start, bench, and cut. We're not advocating for you to cut anybody from your fantasy team or real team. Anyway, three guys to replace Aaron Rodgers that I, I wrote about in uh, on uh, today's uh, For the Win. Um Jared Goff, Tyrod Taylor, who I wrote down in my notes as Ty God because that's that's a great name, and Trevor Sh- Simeon. Um, I'll start off with this. I'm going to start Jared Goff. I think you look at his last two games, they've been sub-10 points uh, fantasy-wise uh, for the last two games, but those last two games are also against two really ridiculously tough uh, secondaries in Seattle and uh, Jacksonville. Uh, his, his numbers are great. Other than that, he's thrown only two interceptions a season against six touchdowns. Offense is really dynamic. He's, he's got a great running back. I think he's a guy, if I didn't have a backup for Rodgers, that I would pick up immediately and start him uh, just simply because, you know, he'll be efficient. He won't be, you know, sort of a game breaker, but he'll be good. I think Tyrod Taylor is great, too. His upcoming schedule is ridiculously good. He's got four games against, you know, subpar defenses. Um, but I'm going to bench him. I just think, you know, the lack of big-name receivers does hurt him. And, you know, losing Charles Clay was a big blow. And then Trevor Simeon, we just talked about him. I think fantasy-wise, he'll have a few good games, and maybe he'll be chucking it from a volume perspective if, if they're behind. But they won't play from behind that much because of that defense. So I, I'm not thinking I'm, – I'm thinking that he won't be a huge, huge part of that offense and won't be the uh, the fantasy starter that would, would give you a lot of uh, uh, wins every week in place of Rodgers. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm gonna start Jared Goff for all the reasons you said, I think. He's surrounded by the best offense, or at least the best play caller, and I think he's going to continue to put up the same stats he's been putting up all year. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna bench Simeon and cut Taylor. 
because I think <clears throat> Simeon is going to get more opportunities to throw the ball. I think he's only had one game. No, he hasn't had any games where he's attempted fewer than 26 passes. And Taylor's had three. And I think that that happens with the Bills' offense. Sometimes they just kind of forget about the passing game and just focus on giving the ball to Shady McCoy, where I don't think that's ever going to really happen in Denver. I think he's always going to throw at least 25 passes. And he's going to, like I said earlier, he's aggressive, so he's going to take chances in the red zone, which will get you, it will will lead to interceptions, which cost you points, obviously, but it, it will do more good than harm. I mean, really, the answer to this is is, uh, is is if you have Aaron Rodgers, you're you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's the right up. answer. That's really the truth. All right, let's uh, let's finish up the show like we always do with our our top five uh, teams in the NFL right now. Uh, I'll let you lead off with this one. All right, so I the I had the Packers at number one last week, and obviously that's changed. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs despite the loss. I think it was just one of those games. I think it did expose some weaknesses but i think they're still the best in the league because other teams have more obvious weaknesses number two i'm gonna go with the eagles even though i said earlier i don't really fully buy them as super bowl contenders but i think they're the best team in the nfc right now and then three i'll go patriots because i still expect them to figure out their defensive problems eventually four steelers because i think they could play it could beat anybody on any given day and we saw that on sunday and then fifth I had the Panthers, but I crossed them out because they can't run the ball anymore, and I don't know what's going to happen with Keekly. So fifth, I have the Seahawks, who I think are probably a month away from really earning the spot that I put them in, but I think they will eventually. They don't need to run the ball. They have they have Christian McCaffrey. What are you talking about? <laughs> but he can't run between the tackles. That's the funny thing. He's just basically another wide receiver, uh, yeah. but at least they're using him. Yeah, he's a third down back they took with a top 10 pick. I was not very excited about that pick, even after all his preseason excitement. I I was skeptical. Yeah, I'm still skeptical, too. All right, my, my five teams. Yes, I'm starting with the Chiefs as well. I, I wanted to put the Patriots at the top, but that defense has still got to figure itself out. Uh, and that's why they're number two on my list, because I think they still end up figuring it out, and they're still the Patriots. Um, number three, the Seahawks. They won this week because they were on a, on a bye. So um, uh, congratulations to the Seahawks. They just win by doing nothing. Um, the four was the Steelers, and that was the one where I stared at that, and I said, I really don't want to put them on this list. I really don't believe what they did. But if you beat the Chiefs and you beat them in that fashion and you kind of you know prove that your defense is, is, can clamp down uh, in the way they did and that Ben Roethlisberger is sort of adjusting to life as being – later career Ben Roethlisberger. I think they deserve uh, one week on this list. And then five, the Eagles. Uh, if you're five and one, you can't be left off this list. I do think that they take a step back at some point, but I think that we didn't all think about their defense uh, coming into the season with, with, with what they've got all over um, from the pass rush to um, some of their, their, their linebackers. I mean, I think they really are a team to the, the teams will fear in the NFC going forward and in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, any other thoughts before we leave, Steven? I say buy high on Adrian Peterson. That's my parting, my parting thought. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say sell, but we'll see, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Come and join us next week when we talk about maybe Adrian Peterson being uh, the, the 26, like he was the 26 uh, next week. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all uh, talking about week seven. Bye.